Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. everybody welcome back to screen heroes episode 201 i am derek your regular host here on the show i have my two regular hosts my lovely hosts with me ryan hi and ray hello and we are uh, recording this at a slightly different time during the during the middle of the day here just because we uh we had some scheduling issues so it's weird i can see ryan's background because there's sunlight coming in to your room I usually don't I know. I hate that. it. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the darkness. Uh, but we, of course, are the Screen Heroes podcast. We are here this week to celebrate 15 years of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy live action film. Uh, we are also going to be doing some news and things like that. So thank you for joining us. If you missed it live, uh, make sure you join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash screen heroes. And you can chat with us about lots of movies and TV and also join us live during recordings of the show. Okay. With all that out of the way, let's talk news. First up, let's just get the, the, the elephant in the room out of the way. AMC theaters has decided to, play a big card against universal studios uh universal was touting how well the trolls sequel did in vod where rather than going to theaters since all the theaters are closed during the pandemic um allegedly the film made uh, almost as much money in its first three weeks on vod as it did as the first film did in theaters which is pretty significant um Based on Universal's past history negotiating with theaters and wanting to limit the theater window, uh, AMC decided that they will no longer show any Universal Studios productions once the theaters reopen. Um, this includes franchises like the Fast and Furious franchise. This includes the Minions franchise and a few other notable financial Jurassic. things. Yes, the Jurassic franchise. franchise, the Monster Universe. Um, you know, so like the uh, the mummy that type of stuff what do you guys think good idea bad idea <laughs> bold statement from a company that may not make it out of this well they definitely won't make it out of it if all the studios decide to go that route so i mean i, I we've talked about this a little bit in our chat and i think that this was basically the only card that they had to play it was the only power that they have is being the biggest stu- biggest uh theater chain you know, they can stop these movies from being played there. And if, you know, that, that's what they had to do. They didn't really have another option except to sit back and watch everybody else do the same thing. 
Truth be told, this is a very bad thing that could landslide, avalanche, whatever you want to call it. It could be bad. This this could prompt studios to purchase theater chains and only show their movies. This could, uh, it like, unless all of the theater chains decide to join on board and then Universal is like, okay, sorry, guys, we, we want our stuff in theaters, then that's the, like, just going back to normal. But as soon as one theater group is like, we're not going to show this, then that leads people to scoop it up and buy it. Like, well, you're not going to show anything else. We're just going to have you show our movies from now on. But also, like, they could just not exist any more movie theaters. Like, what we're seeing yeah. now is studios are just starting their own streaming services. Then they don't, you can just bypass theaters completely. So I think that that's what AMC is trying to prevent from happening right now. But yeah. um, I, don't, I think that it's more likely that all these studios start their own streaming service or join into somebody else's streaming service rather than buy out theaters. But, I mean, at this point, who knows? I was going for a more large-scale thing. Like, if this starts a trend, like, it, it could be this way in five, ten years and not anything this year. But, yeah, I could see Universal creating their own streaming service. I'd be really sad if theaters went away, and that seems to be, like, I would too. a really great, po- not great, good possibility of, you know, something that could happen here well, in so- the near future. You... What other place can I socialize with my friends by not talking to them? Right. Like... <laughs> um, isn't but Universal? It's it's NBC Universal, right? So the Peacock streaming service. Oh, there you go. So they've already got theirs, and Warner's already got theirs through uh, HBO Max. You know, uh, it's already kind of started that way. So it would be, I don't know. It the doesn't four... seem like it's that far off. The four the four yeah. major companies have their own streaming services. The two that you just mentioned, Disney, of course, has Disney Plus, and then uh, Viacom, which owns CBS and Paramount, has CBS All Access. So, I mean, at, at this point, you have four of the largest players. That leaves out companies like Sony, and it leaves out some of the smaller companies like Legendary. Um, but, I mean, it's only a matter of time. I think that the big issue here, I think the streaming service thing is much more likely because I, the footprint, the cost in building a large scale theater is just, it's very expensive for, for the property, the infrastructure. Um, and you know, a- AMC is the largest theater chain in the world. Uh, their, their parent company is anyway. And so, you know, it's, it's going to be pretty impactful. Uh, there's been some rumors floating around that Regal cinemas has decided to join AMC in banning universal. Uh, Regal of course is, is fairly large here in the United States anyway. Um, you know, so, there's only so many chains. And if, if no one's going to show your movies, that's, that's a big deal. Um, it's, it's a shame. It's definitely a shame. I I don't think that AMC is overreacting. I think it's the only card they have, right? What else are they going to do? Yeah. It's sad, sad times. It is. Yeah. And maybe this will result in a resurgence of indie productions taking over the theaters. Uh, there's a lot of movies I wish I had had an opportunity to see on the big screen that were, indie productions that either were only shown at indie theater houses or had a very short theater run because they couldn't compete with the Disney's and, and things like that. And maybe this will see a resurgence in those types of productions getting a, a wider, a wider viewing. I don't know. As cool as that is, it would still be largely disappointed to have all the disappointing to have all this wonderful Dolby and IMAX and 3d, Uh, capabilities just go out the window you know if I 
am going to pay those upgraded prices to see those movies, doing it from my couch seems like a huge bummer. Yeah, I mean, the, the need for like 3D completely disappears. And Dolby, I mean, some people have Dolby sound at home for the home version of that. But yeah, I mean, it's that problem of these movies are coming out. We've talked a bit about this. It's 1999 to rent one of these movies for 48 hours. It's $25 to buy the VOD version of it. Um, you know, so people are less likely to rent it than to buy it, which I think is probably the point. Um, but yeah, I mean, imagine, you know, movies like Endgame, right? Or, or even the Furious franchise, the Jurassic franchise. These are big blockbuster films that are, were designed for the big screen. Yeah, Jurassic World and Fast 7 made over a billion dollars at the box office. I really doubt they're going to make a billion dollars from the couch in, you know, half the time just because Trolls did better. Like, that's a kid's movie. Everybody is at home right now. Trying to entertain their kids. Of course it's going to do well. Yeah, and right now this is all temporary, right? So these are exceptions. People are like, all right, well, this isn't a normal situation. This isn't normal times. I'll spend the 20 bucks to rent this for my kids or pay the 25 to buy it for my kids. Does that mean they're going to do that regularly? I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, there's no way that every single person who saw Endgame in theaters also went and bought it because I know I didn't because I can stream it, right? And unless that streaming service is going to make as much money as every individual production would have in theaters, then there's a loss. And that means Mm -hmm. either cheaper movies or fewer movies or both, right? Um, And, you know, maybe fewer movies wouldn't be the end of the world. There's been a bit of a saturation. We've talked about that too. Maybe it wouldn't be terrible if there was only one big movie every month instead of one or two every weekend. Um, but you know, there's definitely a lot of uncertainty. It'll be very interesting to see what happens in the next five to six months. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, moving on then other things, uh, in the movie realm. So the Academy has announced changes for the Oscars next year. So of course the Oscars, uh, always look back on the previous year and, and give out awards to films, but there aren't any films coming out in the months of April through likely August. Uh, maybe it shortens to July, uh, but there's still a four or five month gap here in just a 12 month season. So big change here is that they have decided to allow uh, films that are released exclusively through streaming services to be eligible for the 93rd Academy Awards. Uh, that's never been the case before. Uh, every film that was eligible had to have some kind of theater release. So even these Netflix productions that did very well last year had a limited theater run. Um, some might say it's a technicality at that point. Uh, so maybe this just removes that. But that's a pretty big change. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on that? I mean, what else are they going to do? Like Skip the awards or merge with next year's? <laughs> The Oscars are not going to skip anything ever. You know, they, if COVID continues the way that it has, and this is our new normal, they'll do it from home. The Oscars make so much money. It's the second largest live television thing every year. The Super Bowl is number one, and the Oscars are number two. Unlike the Super Bowl, they can do the Oscars remotely yeah yeah i mean i I think you're right it it 
I think it's a smart move. I think it's a move that will upset certain directors. You know, there were certain people that were really against the Netflix model being allowed in the the Academy Award conversation. But Spielberg, I wasn't going to call anybody out. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. I mean, those people were deluding themselves if they thought that this was never going to happen. It, right. It's a difficult conversation because on one hand, yes, I mean, you want to preserve the theater experience. Uh, but on the other hand, if the Academy Awards are supposed to be about the best of the best, it shouldn't then exclude good films or better films just because they didn't get a theater release. It just kind of seems more elitist than anything. So I think this is definitely the right call. Um, the other minor change, and this is one that I, I, I completely agree with and thought they should have done a long time ago is they have decided to merge sound mixing and sound editing into one category for best sound. Um, none of the three of us are sound engineers but there's a lot of similarities and crossover in these two categories and i think especially from the general audience that is watching they don't know the difference um last year's winners were ford versus ferrari for uh, best sound editing and then 1917 won best best sound mixing just for for reference um any of you have a preference on that (laughs) i think there's probably three or four more categories they can merge and the three of us have been calling for an addition of like best stunts oh yeah for a while so that stunt workers can start getting more and more uh acclaim and uh just some praise for their hard work that obviously goes into all of it so my thing is when the very first uh academy awards was held there were 12 categories and it lasted half an hour now there's like 24 25 categories and it lasts three hours you can condense things the time can go down and you can open up to other people who have been ignored so this is a small step in the right direction but it's definitely not like a huge step they could do better yeah I mean, I'm with you. I think I think there's two stunt categories that would be wonderful. You could have best stunt coordinator, which would kind of be like a directing award, right? But for for stunt coordination, and yeah. then you could have best stunt performance, which would be an individual actor. Um, my yeah. my only worry there is like the first person to win it would end up being like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible Eight or something like that. Um, well, I mean, truth be told, he kind of deserves it. Look at all the shit he's put himself through. Oh, I, I know. I just I, I, and he's never gonna get one for acting at this point. Like ouch. he's done with the serious dramas. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I, I'm totally with you on that. I just it wouldn't be a great look for the first stunt performer award to go to an a-list actor you know what i mean that would right. kind of go against the spirit of the award even if he does deserve that award if, 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 to some extent but then they should give out some honorary awards for missed opportunities Ooh, I like you know that. G- give uh, like give zoe bell one give some of the ones that have lost their life due to um, terrible situations you yeah. know they they gave Heath Ledger a posthumous one because of everything he went through for the Joker but that it, like so many stunt people lose their lives or their limbs or their careers do that yeah. honorary go back <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there I'm with you there um, yeah you are you have to be legally uh, so then the the uh, another piece of news is is a little a little bit strange. Uh, so Disney 
I got into some hot water because they're trying to do some type of special promotional event for May the 4th because there's been that trend for a very long time for Star Wars fans to use May 4th as Star Wars Day with the tag May the 4th be with you. And it's cute and adorable, whatever. Disney uh, put out on social media some legal phrasing that made people think they were trying to trademark, copyright, whatever, take ownership of the hashtag may the fourth be with you um and it's it, it is very disney uh to do something like that it's it's a bit of a misunderstanding about how that was actually going to work ray do you want to speak to that i know you've you've looked into it a bit yeah so it just meant that the people who commented on this thread they had a picture or a story or a video that they were consenting to that video being used in a May the 4th celebration. It's not going to affect anybody who posts outside of that thread. But the legal team did not uh, get this to the social media, and everybody took it as them just copywriting a whole hashtag, which if... You know, we're cosplayers. If you guys remember the people that tried to trademark cosplay as not consent, that didn't go very well. So, you know, it was just a misunderstanding. And Disney is, I like, they're doing their best to backtrack as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, with that kind of bad publicity, uh, that, that, that's all you can do is just try and save face. Right. <laughs> And if you guys haven't noticed, you don't want to upset Star Wars fans. <laughs> but anything you do will upset Star Wars fans, so <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> right. Yeah. I still haven't met one person who's mad at the Mandalorian, but I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure they well, are. Well, there's, the, there's the, the small group that hates the baby Yoda. Well, like, oh. anytime anybody says baby Yoda, I think that's related or not. Its name's not Yoda. <laughs> yeah, this is a campy baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> go hate yourself in private stay off the internet baby yoda's the best oh, man. that's right <laughs> um all right so we're we're like 20 minutes in do you guys have any other news that you want to cover any anything that you think is is important that we discuss there was a cool interview with sebastian stan recently about why uh sam was chosen over bucky so hit that up you can find it it was very interesting what he had to say on it and I I always thought Sam was the best choice, but I completely understand now why they went with Sam over Bucky. So go check that out. Jeff Johns is producing the uh, Green Lantern TV show on HBO Max, so we can look forward to that. Sure. We also produced the movie, so right. I mean, are we going to look forward to that? I don't know. I don't know. It, it's such a back and forth because Jeff Johns wrote the most successful Green Lantern run in all uh, all of time, but you know the he also uh, did the worst uh, live action DC movie of all time, practically. So well, I don't know that I agree with that. But... Okay, but it's one. It's definitely in the bottom half. I mean, Superman Four: The Quest for Peace is definitely worse than Ryan Reynolds sure, Green Lantern. but not by a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, yeah, to both of your points, Jeff, Jeff Johns is responsible for making Green Lantern what it is today. He fleshed out the mm -hmm. entire emotional spectrum and really created an, inc an incredible defined universe that is my favorite superhero. Um, 
But, you know, he was also going to be involved in the Green Lantern Corps movie that we never ended up getting. And, you know, Bad Robot and J.J. Abrams are somewhat involved in this production. And so, I mean, I'm a believe it. Lance Flair! At this point, I'm a believe it when I see it guy for DC. Because they've made a lot of promises that they haven't kept. And so, until I start seeing even just casting information, I'm just going to assume this production isn't even real. That's fair. Did we want to talk about the biggest flops of 2019? Ha! <laughs> Uh, sure, sure. We can... Number number one on the list, X-Men Dark Phoenix, which was unexpected. Well, I mean, we knew it flopped, but that it would be number one on the list is a little unexpected. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we all assumed it was going to be something in the fall, either Cats or Gemini Man or Charlie's Angels, because they all did incredibly poor. I, I guess I had forgotten how, how poorly Dark Phoenix did. It wasn't even number two. Cats wasn't even number two. Uh, Terminator Dark Fate. Right. Was number two with 123 mm-hmm. million dollar loss. Cats was number three, in fact, with 114 million dollar loss. Wow. Cats ended up getting this last minute run at the box office once people, once the word got out that it was so bad, you needed to be on drugs to enjoy it. People Release actually did it. Yeah, they were like they were going to the theater high off of mushrooms, watching fucking cats and. Like, sure, if that's the only way you can enjoy something, it seems like a giant waste of money to me, man. But, you know, go off. Do your thing. <laughs> Gemini Man was number four with $111 million, uh, loss. And Missing Link was $101 million loss yeah. at number five. Right. I, f- I forgot about that because that was like an April film. Um, yeah, it's an interesting collection of movies that did really poor. Um, I-, I don't think Dark Fate deserved that personally but um oh well no we all talked about that yeah yeah on our episode and then uh charlie's angels and missing link have both gotten great reviews on home streaming so people just feel like they missed out due to lack of marketing or poor marketing so or just too much being out i mean missing link came out right before endgame and after shazam and captain marvel and it was a very busy time for people so you have like a collection of good movies that people just didn't go to see and a collection of just some bad movies, <laughs> right? Um, you know what would make Dark Phoenix and Cats better? Hmm. If they merged them. If the cats had superpowers instead of singing. So X-Men, are they still gonna, cats. <laughs> are, are they still going to eat human-faced cockroaches? Oh, God. They should, yeah. Okay. I mean, I think so. I mean, Those are the Morlocks. Ian McKellen's in both, so... <laughs> He's the one link. <laughs> wow. I was not expecting that day. <laughs> but I don't want to see Patrick Stewart as a cat. I mean, I didn't want to see any of those actors really as cats, to be honest That's with you. Because, I mean, for the most part, there's a there's a damn good cast in that movie, right? You've got you know, Idris Elba's in there and uh, Dame Judi Dench is in there. And uh, yeah, uh, I mean, there's some other people that aren't so great, I guess, but. James Corden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Anyway, anything else before we wrap up this segment and move on to our main topic? No, let's talk about Hitchhikers. Okay, so we'll take a short break here. When we come back, we'll be talking about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the 2005 film adaptation of the Douglas Adam novel. Recently on the Heroes Podcast Network, Echo Station. Well, what's the main, think... what's the main planet that Endor, the forest moon of Endor? It's a moon. So it's there's a major planet, obviously, that it... Is the forest moon 
of Endor? Is Endor the actual planet then? See, th- isn't that confusing? Yes. Is it the forest moon of the planet Endor, or is it the forest moon called Endor? Kaiju Curry House. Because I'm just wondering, are Pokemon Kaiju? They are pocket monsters. They are pocket monsters, Paul. They're, pocket, they're monsters, yeah, aren't they? They're, um, just... they're, so... They are yokai, officially. <laughs> yokai? Yeah, so, um... What's like... a yokai? Red shirts and runabouts. Something we've talked about before, and other people have, but there's, there's so much of real-life history involved with Star Trek. From Gene Roddenberry's days, his time in the military as, a, as on, on a bomber pilot, as a bomber crewman, you know, James Doohan serving, all these people and all these real-life events that have impacted things. That's very realistic of political and military leaders kind of resigning in protest at a decision they can't control. Subscribe today at heroespodcast.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, and more. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, and we're back. So <laughs> let's go ahead and talk. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the 2005 film adaptation of Douglas Adams. It is its 15th anniversary this month, uh, which is really cool. In fact, uh, to today, today, the day we're recording this, April 29th, which was not the original plan. So happy birthday to the film uh just some straight financial information up first the movie cost approximately 45 million dollars budget wise um and it came into just 102.7 at the total worldwide box office split almost completely even 51 million uh domestically and 51.7 internationally so not low enough to be considered a flop but certainly not successful where would you guys like to start on Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. First, I guess, um, Ryan, have you, was this your first viewing? Yes. Okay. I had read the book in high school, but I didn't remember literally anything about it, even while watching the movie. Maybe I picked up a couple tiny things that, that triggered a memory, but yeah. Okay. Um, definitely not the first viewing for, for Ray and I. Uh, I've even watched some of the original BBC ser- like series version that they did way back. Um, so that's good. Okay. So we've all read the book. Which, which is nice as well. Where would you guys like to start? I have not read the book. Oh, you have? I'm sorry. I thought you said you did. No. I apologize. No. I haven't read any of the books. There are six of them, and I really would love to, but I haven't. I've only read the first two. So. Yeah, I think I read the first two as well. Um, okay, well, let's, let's kick things off then. Um, just some casting information uh, directed by Garth Jennings, and of course it stars... Um, Martin Freeman and Zoe Deschanel and uh, what's his face? Sa- Sam no, Rockwell. Steph and Sam Rockwell <laughs> and Alan Rickman. Uh, John Malkovich is in there for a short period of time. So is Bill Nighy. Right. Who's just never in anything enough. Uh, Warwick Davis actually plays. He's in the suit of Marvin the robot, even though Alan Rickman voices the character, which is kind of a, a cool little note. Um, his name is Marvin the paranoid android. He's not a robot. Sorry. (laughs) 
My bad. If I called Data a robot, you would be furious with me, okay? Fine. Let's, Thank let's you. move on. Um, okay. Where would you like to start? Well, first and foremost, I want to talk about how underrated this story is. And uh, I, I get... I, I tend to recommend it to people, but I always get pushed back after they see it. And I'm like, oh, you're just not smart. Okay, cool. Uh, but the only thing I really feel is out of place is Zoe Deschanel. She is, she is just not the best actor. I think they could have replaced her with her doppelganger, Emily Blunt, and it could have been a lot better. But that's just me. I guess I'm one of the stupid people, Rachel, because I did not like this movie. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Oopsies. Before, before we get too far, you think Emily Blunt and Zoe Deschanel are doppelgangers? A lot of people think they are because they have similar eyes and bangs. I have never I'm not the only that. one that thinks I this. Have, okay. I've never thought that. Okay. I thought you were going to say like Katy Perry. And I was like, oh. Like, apparently I have said some very controversial stuff already. <laughs> so maybe I should just dip out. So, okay. So I think Ray and I are probably in the same boat. So let's, Ryan, since it was your first viewing of the film. Um, let's give you an opportunity to say a little bit about your thoughts. And I guess spoiler warnings for a 15 year old movie and a significantly older book. So, um, so I liked the beginning. Uh, it's, it, it triggered a couple little memories, um, you know, when they were on earth and the earth's destruction thing. Um, but it seemed like every time I was trying to be serious, like get the plot of the movie seriously or be serious, you know, figure out what was going on. Uh, something ridiculous and crazy off the wall happened that just completely took me out of whatever was going on. Um, and it happened multiple times and like, it, it didn't seem to make any sense for, or happen for any reason other than because they needed to drive some part of the plot forward and wanted to do it in a really crazy way that I don't know. It didn't seem to make sense to me uh, a lot of the time. And that was, uh, maybe I am stu- too stupid to figure <laughs> oh, it out. It's not. entirely possible. I'm not the sharpest <laughs> knife in the drawer, but um, it was, I, I don't know. I didn't get it. I, I didn't like Zoe Deschanel being, you know, her typical, like, I'm a quirky girl. Like, let's, <laughs> let's go to Madagascar. You know, it's, I don't know. And Sam Rockwell, I didn't like, uh, I don't know. I, I just, it, it was actually kind of boring to me, the whole movie. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. I will say that I, I think that Martin Freeman, Most Def, and Alan Rickman are, are definitely the, the three casting choices I think were the best. Um, I think they, they do a really solid job with those three characters. I think that pretty much everybody else is replaceable. Um, I don't think anybody else does a, a particularly special job. Um, but, Ryan, I thought that you'd really like some of the practical effects, though. I did. That was by far like the, the best part. Yeah. Do you have any? I mean, the, uh, even the even the non-practical effects, most of them hold up pretty well. Um, but yeah, when I when the whatever the big weird-lipped aliens are, kind of, come on, yeah, Vogons. I was Vogons. I was trying to uh, actually tell if it was practical or not because you know some of the shots it's you, it's so good you just can't even figure out exactly what it is. But yeah, I was very impressed, and I had seen. Uh, some I don't know some of the some of the artists I follow did back did the work for the movie and so I've seen some of the aliens before and not even known it but I recognized them when I saw them on screen and some of the effects but yeah I mean it was incredibly impressive considering the age of the movie it I mean 15 years is an insane amount of time but it does definitely hold up 
The Vogons definitely reminded me of the practical effects done in Fifth Element Absolutely. on some of the larger aliens. Yeah, the the big uh, golden guys and mm-hmm. uh, whatever those were called. I can't remember. But yeah, definitely they, there was some uh, similarities. Yeah, I, I imagine that they made like at least 10 to 20 suits. And at that point, they could have done what uh, Peter Jackson did, which was just you know, copy and paste to create more, especially at the end when there's almost a (laughs) hundred. I don't think it's a thousand, but yeah, there's a lot. Um, No, I I do think a lot of the special effects really hold up Um, for me. What I think one one of the, like the most impressive visual parts of the film is towards the end when uh, you get to see like the planet construction, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're just like flying through space in that little car. Oh, that was, that was another actor that I really liked was uh, the guy from, I, is that who that yeah. is? Yeah. The, yeah. The dad from Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Or mom's boyfriend, not the dad. Right. Yeah. He's not my dad. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Bill Nye. He's, he's wonderful. Uh, I've liked him in everything I've ever seen him. in. He's just a great actor. Yeah. Yeah. In everything. Yeah. He really, really is. And he's been in clunkers too, man. He's like in the underworld movies. Yeah. But even his performance in those stood out. Like, it I mean, did, he's yeah. very good. He takes the material and he makes it good no matter what. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but that whole scene, that whole sequence of flying through space, and you see some really strangely designed planets and some that are partially under construction. And I love that. That's one of my favorite little concepts in the film. I think it's just, and it, they, it, I think they execute it gorgeously. Um, I thought that still held up really well. So can we talk about the fact that she dumped this guy like 20 minutes after meeting him because he wouldn't go to Madagascar the next day. It's just another one of those crazy things that happens in the movie. That's like, what is even happening right now? I mean, it's so unrealistic that you just, I don't know. It was dumb. Well, so the problem, the problem with it is there isn't a relationship. They met at this party and then stopped talking at this party, right? It never goes Mm -hmm. beyond the party. He takes this selfie of them at the party in their costumes, makes it his screensaver and then for, I guess, a couple of weeks or whatever is like pining over her. And she just leaves on a whim to go with the space alien guy that she just believes has a spaceship. I don't. An actual alien that just happened to be at the same party that this other guy mm-hmm. was at that gets transported to space. Like it, lots of coincidences there. Yeah. I mean, the, co- the coincidences I can kind of get past just from that standpoint. It's more of the this random guy shows up, says he has a spaceship. And she's like, cool, let's go check it out. Um, Rachel, would that line work on you? I gotta tell you, like, if he... If it was Sam Rockwell. (laughs) Oh, well, yeah, if it's Sam Rockwell, totally. Um, (laughs) Be like, does your wife have to come? Um, Oh, wait, I'm married too, my bad. So, uh no, I don't think that line would work on me. I would assume they had just roofied me and I should get out of there right away. It's probably a safe plan, really. Right? But I also know that if I would approach my now husband, Derek, it, to go to Madagascar, he'd be like, what are you smoking? Go lay down. Like, you're clearly not feeling well. Yeah, because, like, you know, they they portray um, they portray Arthur as, like, this home buddy no risk taking guy. And I don't, the, the movie doesn't even really show him that way. I mean, he does lie down in front of a bulldozer. He's trying to fight against an entire construction crew to save his house. Um, and 
when he does end up in space, well, he's a little bit freaked out. I think he handles himself pretty well considering the circumstances. Um, it's just he's compared to this woman who wants to just tonight with a person she just met leave not just to Madagascar, apparently, but also on a spaceship <laughs> to leave forever. Um, and I don't know that that's a good basis of comparison, you know. It always bothered me that she changed her name because it wasn't spacey enough. I'm like, that's your name, girl. Like, deal with it. <laughs> to to trillion. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. You want to change it because you don't like it? That's fine. A lot of people do that. Or if you don't identify as that, but what? Like, you just want to blend in more with space. Everything sounds weird in space in this world. So, you know, Trisha is probably very exotic. I, I mean, yeah, the, the thing is, there's there's obviously tons and tons of planets. There's trillions of people and different types of aliens out there and stuff like that. I, I, I doubt that if someone's like, oh, what's your name? And you say Trish, they're going to be like, well, that's weird and stupid. Right. That's going to be. Or they're like, that's so common. Everyone's named Trish here. Right? <laughs> um, so one, one aspect that I really, really like about. Uh, the story and I thought that they portrayed particularly well in the movie is the uh, the drive the um, uh, why am I forget I'm drawing a blank on the name of it the improbability drive uh, that the ship has I think is a super cool concept because um, it's it's just like a unique thing right we have light speed and we have warp drive and those are all very basic we have them in massive science fiction but this idea of one that's just kind of randomized and quirky I always really enjoyed especially when they show up as yarn I like that. The flowers, the yarn, it was all pretty incredible. And I like that this was something where the ship was affected, but so was the crew. It wasn't like we've seen so much space stuff where the ship goes through changes or the crew goes through changes. But here it's everything. Yeah. Ryan, I based on your face, I'm going to assume that you were not a fan <laughs> I mean, it was fine. Like, the yarn thing was cool, but then, you know, the cool part of that for me was seeing all the characters as yarn characters or whatever, and then the next time when they turn into flowers, they're just, like, spitting out flower petals, and you don't actually get to see anything. You know, that was... I don't know. I, I would, if they were going to go that far to create something so random that and do cool things with it, then I would have rather seen the cool things instead of just, like, the very tail end of the cool thing. Yeah, that might have been a budgeting problem. $45 million still isn't a lot. Uh, for 2005, uh, so that that may have been it. I love. I thought the yarn thing was cool, especially when he vomits, but he still got. It's, he's still yarn, and so they could kind of get away with doing it without it being gross. I thought it was cute, right. um, but yeah, I, the quirkiness is is probably what what I enjoy the most. I'm a dialogue person when it comes to films. It's it's why I I like movies like The Big Lebowski or you know Pulp Fiction. It's all about the dialogue, and I think the way that Douglas Adams wrote. Not just the book, of course, but he also uh, wrote the screenplay. Um, the dialogue and, and the way the narration is handled, I think, is just really stellar and kind of poppy and quick. It kind of reminds me of of just my, my favorite kinds of films, even like the Cornetto trilogy. I disagree. No? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't see any resemblance at all between this and the Cornetto trilogy. Really? really? Minus some of the actors. Well, yeah, yeah, that would be the only right. thing. Yeah, there are a couple of, of crossovers there. I don't know. Well, Ray, no, am I off base? Am I like in my own little world? 
No, I I see where you're coming through. It definitely has some British humor to it, but that, of course, is because of Douglas Adams. And I think it just might be one of those quirky things where you like or you don't like it. It's it's weird and it's it's never been done before. It's a way to look at science fiction in a comedic way without poking fun at stuff that's already happened. You know, we have the Orville that pokes fun at some stuff, but uh, like I, at this point, it's not even a parody. It's its own thing, but it started out as one, and this is not. This is comedy without treading on things that have already come before. Fair enough. And, you know, I mean, the movie does seem to be pretty split on people as well. You know, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the uh, audience score is 65%. The the critic score is 60%. IMDb has it sitting at a 6.8 out of 10. So it's certainly not considered stellar or horrible. It's somewhere in the middle where I think people sometimes like it and sometimes don't. And maybe it's because it's a little, it's a little out there. It's definitely quirky. Um, well, it's definitely the below average and the above average intelligence people just kind of, you know, meeting right in the middle. Get over it. I'm sorry I said it. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> I, I do think that, like, it, it's a specific type of story, right? And I think, um, you know, if, if you read if you read the book and watch the movie, I, I think that the same tone really comes across, which is just this very like sarcastically tongue in cheek off the wall silliness, you know, I mean, look at the, the opening of the movie, right. With the song, with, with the, the dolphins, right. And you know, the so long for uh, so long and thanks for all the fish, the dolphins literally just jump out of the water and float away into space. <laughs> and That's silly, right? Because regardless of how intelligent dolphins are or aren't, or we are, or aren't whatever, you know, I thought that they needed oxygen, for example, <laughs> um, you know, so just the act of getting into space itself is, is crazy enough. Um, you know, some of it works for me and some of it comes off maybe a little too silly, like, like the jumping in the space. Uh, something that doesn't come off too silly for me is the mice. I love the mice. I love that the, those trans dimensional beings um, that build deep thought, you know, come to our universe as, as these little mice to try and do an experiment. I think that's, I think it's funny. I like that kind of, the twist of putting it on its head and that we've been under experimentation the whole time. No, we're not under experimentation. Remember deep thought created us as the ultimate computer to come up with the ultimate question. Well, right. But like Bill Nye mentions that they've been running experiments because Arthur then says, um, well, no, 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 I know we're the ones who are running the experiments on them. And, and Bill's like, I can see how you could think that. Right. I love that little exchange. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that that's funny. You know, um, some of it gets to be a little crazy maybe when they've, they want to harvest his brain and they have like a helmet with the blades coming in and he's like consciously awake. You think transdimensional beings would have a better way of handling that? Well, at this point they are completely frustrated. <laughs> they don't want to wait another seven and a half million years for things to get uh, up and running again so they're like we're just gonna take a question out of your head for profit we're done with this <laughs> also i mean when humans step on ants they don't uh, really think about the most humane way to kill that ant and, right you know if they're transdimensional beings then we might as well be ants to them that's a fair point that's definitely a fair a fair point in the end the movie the book it's a silly 
sci-fi romance where this guy just breaks down and admits that this girl is the love of his life and I'm a sucker for that. Like I I've told Derek he's my 42 many times. Like it, it's just sweet. And I think that's why I like it so much cuz in the end it's silly and it's sweet. Well, and and going to the the 42, I I like the actual message of the story, which is the answer isn't what's important, right? It's the question. That's, that's the point. Like, what is the question that you're trying to answer? Every, the answer is not what's relevant. It's the question. It's kind of like, um, and this is a, a Trekkie thing, but in Star Trek Voyager, the whole, th- their, their thing, they're lost in space and they have to get back and whatever. And it's about the journey. So they have this to the journey thing, right? It's about the journey to that end. It's not about the destination. And this is kind of that message, right? It's the, the answer is irrelevant if you don't know what you're asking. And I like that. Same. Ryan's like, whatever. <laughs> Ryan's sure. like, when are we doing the martial arts episode? <laughs> well, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm even going to be satisfied with the surf ninjas episode, you know, cause there's a little martial arts in that. Isn't that next week? Is it next I think, week? I don't I know. I have to actually come up with the movie at some point, which is that would be ideal. Like, right? I, I don't, I don't own it, so I, uh, I have to find it. Yeah, I have. I've never right? actually like. Seen I have it. no idea where to watch Surf Ninja. <laughs> yeah, such an obscure movie. Uh, for the, for right? those uh, who are just joining us, uh, we do a segment called Bad Movie Reviews, and uh, our next bad movie review is next week, and it's Surf Ninjas. That's what that. that yep. is about. Which is not spoiler alert, actually a bad movie. Well, it may be. I haven't seen it in thirty years, so maybe it's actually really bad. <laughs> I've never seen it's it. It's hard so to say. I don't know. We don't know. Like, <laughs> if it's good, then I'll change. It'll just be retrospective, and it won't be bad movie review. It's we'll probably bad. It. It's probably we'll mediocre at best. It's called Surf Ninjas. I'm not entirely sure how it's like. Great, but we'll see. Okay, it could surprise me. That's right. No, I mean, I think so. Okay, back to this movie. It just. Oh I, right. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about a different movie. I, I know. When I read the book back in high school. Um, I definitely identify, I love the sci-fi-ness of it, and I loved the, that it was humorous, but I don't remember, maybe I just need to reread the book, but I don't remember it being, like, just completely random things happening all the time. But it, that that's what bothered me most about the movie, because all these seemingly unrelated things just kept happening and took took you out of whatever moment you were, you were trying to have with the movie. That's, yeah, I can definitely see how that happens, because, you know... Um... And I, I don't know if that's because the author or the director didn't want to commit to the more serious or frightening things of it. It's just they're going to uh, Ford and Arthur are going to die. The Vogons are going to kill them. And right before he reads his poetry <laughs> instead. And it's just silly nonsense. And yeah. Arthur tries to say it's good. And he's like, well, that's just horrible. And then later on, you know, Hamakavula is incredibly frightening. He takes off his glasses and loses his eyes and he just has like these tiny little pinholes in his head. But then he like wild, wild west spider crawls out of his body and looks completely silly. So I I don't know if this, since I haven't read the book, if it was too close to the book and that cut down on some of the more serious aspects or if they just decided to take a few liberties and not c- 
commit to the serious stuff. There were some scary things in there that could have been way more intense. Well, so for, so first off, Douglas Adams was also a writer on the screenplay. Uh, Makes so, sense. So, you know, there's, there's that. Um, it was uh, Douglas Adams and there was one other person, I believe, that, that wrote it. Uh, Carrie Kirkpatrick. So those, those are the two people that wrote the screenplay. Um, there's a lot. I mean, the, the stuff in the movie is pretty close to the book. The problem is it's not a short book. It's a big book. There's a ton of detail. I mean, if you listen to the way the exposition is is handled, even in the movie, there is so much detail in the book. And a lot of it are just random, quirky, off the wall concepts and things just to reference crazy stuff or throw in little explanations about things that are seemingly normal, but really aren't. And I think when you take that and try and condense it down to a relatively short movie, I mean, I think it's only like 108 minutes or something like that. Um, if I remember correctly, no, I'm so yeah, it's an hour and 49 minutes. Um, so it's a fairly short movie. Then you have to lose a lot of the, the story components and you just start to condense down the references and things seem even more random than they even are in the book. Mm -hmm. And the book is random to begin with. That's part of the, the style of at least the first two novels. I can't speak to the rest. Um, the, the book might have seemed less random to me because because it was stretched out and you did get a little bit more development before you went on to this quirky random thing that happened. Right. Or maybe it didn't seem as random because, you know, you had a little bit more information as to what's going on and then they had to cut that all out of the book. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. And I think some of it is also like the visuals versus reading it. Like when you're reading it, it takes you a second to, to read through all those descriptions. But like when they're at the... Um, when they're at the the prison to try and get her released right uh, through the paperwork and you see all those different aliens that are just standing there. Some of them seem random and off the wall. And maybe I don't remember if that scene in the book specifically, but if you were to read the descriptions of all of those characters over a page, right. Or page and a half, it doesn't seem as in your face random as when they're just mm -hmm. thrown at you. Um, and they're so, whereas like the star Wars cantina scene, works a little bit better because it's a little bit more grounded and a little bit grittier and less totally off the wall and crazy. Yeah. This is a very kooky. Cra it's like star Wars on drugs is like kind of how I describe the hitchhiker's guide universe. Okay. I do remember from the book that the towel was a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, the most useful item or most useful tool you'll ever have or whatever, but the, they seemed like they were trying to put emphasis on the on that in the movie, and maybe I maybe I was just I just missed it at some point. But they don't seem to really ever explain that in the movie. Ford does a better job than Arthur does for sure. Yeah, the book certainly harps on it, right? Because it's it's yeah. one of the taglines from people who are fans of of the book and, and the BBC series, right? Is yeah. There's a British holiday. It, it's not like national banks don't close or anything, but it's called Towel Day, and they hang towels outside that say "Don't Panic." So, like, the book, the movie, they have cult followings. Like, Tool has. Uh, or a perfect circle, my bad, has a song called Eat the Elephant, and they always dedicate it to people who know where their towels are. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I think it's it's one of those things where the movie is reinforced by the book, you mm -hmm. know, um, in, a, in a positive way, where a lot of the times movies are, are torn down by the book lovers for not meeting those expectations. But it's almost like the book lovers just agreed for this to be a supplemental version of the book in a way. I don't know. It's kind of a weird relationship, but um, I certainly think in 
in a um in a vacuum on its own the movie's just missing a lot of the depth that they were able to include in the book that makes it seem a little more cohesive makes sense mm-hmm. um other aspects to touch on is there anything else you want to discuss I love that at no point Arthur changes clothes. <laughs> he is constantly in his pajamas. Everybody else feels the need to change, and it looks like a few days, maybe a week goes by, but he stays the same. Well, right now we're all spending a week in our pajamas at a time, you know, so we, it's very easy to identify with. I work, man. I, gotta I do too, but there's a lot of people <laughs> working from home. Come on, I'm trying to identify. <laughs> I mean, I've been wearing slippers, slippers a lot at home. Um, I still put on normal clothes in case I have to do a web chat, right? So, Only from the waist up, though, right? No, nah, I've been wearing jeans almost every day. It's true. He's not letting it all hang out at home. That's disappointing. But he, he doesn't no matter what. He is always dressed. <laughs> Even in the shower. Yeah, he is what Arrested Development would call a never nude. Okay. I believe it. Um, so the, the last kind of story element or whatever that I, I just want to touch on is of course the hitchhiker's guide itself, the, the physic the book, the physical book. Um, I really loved when the narrator explained things, including everything in the book. I loved the little jokes, the asides. That was a lot of fun. I could watch the entire thing just animated like that with that narrator explaining this world. It was by far my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I love that part. I wish they had done more because the book has a ton of it. There's so much more in the right. book. Um, and I love those segments, those sequences. I think they're great. I think one of my, my biggest wishes is that somebody would just make a decent prop of this, that th- would be like mass produced for consumers to buy. Oh, that would be um, fun. I remember back, Back when I first got uh, a job out of college, I was traveling a lot and the iPad had just come out. And so I got a don't panic like book cover sleeve for the iPad. And so it looked like the Hitchhiker's Guide and it was really cool. Uh, and I just I would love to have something that, you know, maybe you could open up and it would have a few of these examples programmed in or something like, you know, they had toys like that in the 90s. Right. Where there was like a, a Pokédex that had the original 151 programmed in mm-hmm. something like that. Just modern with, you know, color and stuff, I think would be cool. Well, the Amazon Alexa will answer questions if you do. Uh, if you ask the same questions as the mice ask deep thought, it'll answer as deep thought. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Um, any final thoughts then, guys, as we as we head toward the hour mark? Nope. No, I think we've covered everything that I wanted to talk about. Same here. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I, I, I mean, I know why they didn't make a sequel, but I kind of wish they had. I think that they could have improved on things even more, and it would have been really fun. Because the second one, The Restaurant at the End of the Universe, is really good. Um, the book is, anyway. Uh, so that's going to be it then, I guess, for our discussion on the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy film. As we said, next week we will be hopefully talking about Surf Ninjas, assuming we can find it available somewhere. So we'll be doing that next week. Um, guys, Ray, where can people find you? Hey, it's funny. It's at Siren Ray. If you're watching, you can see it. Ryan, how about you? 
It's funny. If you're watching, you can see it. It's at Buster Props. And since most of our listeners don't actually watch the live stream, um, I, you can find me at the Star Trek Dude. We are the Screen Heroes Podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. You can find us at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter or HeroesPodcasts.com and at Heroes Podcasts on Facebook as well as Instagram. Uh, our show is available for download, streaming, subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, and more. Um, as well as streaming right from our website if you want to. Please join us on Facebook. We have a group where we talk about movies and TV. We do tournaments. Right now we're wrapping up an MCU tournament. We've been doing some fun games and polls in there. So facebook.com slash groups slash screen heroes to join us out there. We would appreciate it. And as always, you know, if you want to support the show in a way other than following us and, and listening, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash heroes podcasts. Uh, right now, we if you join our Patreon at any level, you get access to ad-free versions of all of the Heroes Podcast Network shows. Um, they will be ad-free, and most of them actually show up a little bit early, a day or two early most of the time. So you know, throw us a buck or whatever uh, you feel comfortable doing. It helps us pay for the domains and the equipment and all that good stuff. All right, guys, anything else? Don't panic. Stay home, wash your hands, don't panic, use your towel. Thanks for all the fish. Are we done? Like, what are you doing? Are we are we out? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That was awkward. Yeah, right? Like, what happened? Derek's 